Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 100 and something of the, <laughs> of the Retire With Confidence podcast. I'm Nick Hopwood. And I'm Jim Pilot. And we've got some music here. Um, I've gone down a dark hole with Alice in Chains. Okay. For uh, at least a year. And uh, I'm learning to play the song on guitar. Oh, nice. I don't know if the audio is picking it up very well, but yeah, it's... it's classic throwback so, stuff though. yeah I never even heard this song until like two years ago and you know I was in high school when it came out so yeah. it's kind of weird how that works you know right. anyway um we're here in a new studio right <laughs> <laughs> I hope the audio is good I know trial run yeah so we'll see how it goes yeah so this episode we're gonna be talking about the 2022 Hopwood financial plan We've done, I've done this in like 18, 19, I think maybe we missed a year or two. We did your we did family once, year, yeah. um, but uh, it's been at least a year since we've done this and we're a little late. Here we are in March. And by the way, when we reference the new studio, you should watch on YouTube rather than just, you know, listening in the car. Yeah. We have millions of car listens, but uh, not as many YouTube. So go to youtube.com slash peakwealthmgmt and uh, you know, like the video and smash that bell, that subscribe button. Get the notifications that the new ones are out, right? That's right, absolutely. <laughs> so let, can you interview me about the family financial plan? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, this is always a, a highlight of the year for everybody to hear what's <laughs> new and what other great ideas uh, Nick has so uh, you know why don't you just give us uh, give us a quick rundown as to what you view as the biggest change from year over year well I guess the biggest change would be the whole Mr. Roth deal with mm -hmm. going going all in on Roth um, you know a lot of us advisors out there don't practice what we preach mm -hmm. kind of like if you see your uh, trainer at the at the gym right mm -hmm. and they're overweight or you know, yeah. you know just whatever you gotta you gotta you gotta eat your own cooking you gotta yep. practice what you preach and so since about last July we went all in on Roth 401 mm -hmm. so we were you know taking the tax break and enjoying that for mm -hmm. many years like we've all been accustomed to do on that pre-tax 401 but uh, we switched over to Roth so it was a half a year of pre-tax contributions and a half a year of Roth. And, and in 22, we're going 100% Roth. Okay. So that's, that's one thing that is a big difference. Yeah, so even though you're foregoing that tax break this year, you, you know, which is, which is a, a nice chunk of money, right? And it's hard to turn your, turn your back on a good tax break today, but you, you know, just refreshing everybody's memory that you feel that the benefit and the value of doing that is because of age and compounding and long time horizon and 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 marginal tax rates. So I did some some long range planning for myself and I realized that the tax rate that we're in now will will probably be the same tax rate in the future. Right. Especially with considering required minimums. Mhm. Mm so I'd just rather get it over with. 
I feel like tax rates probably might go up, and I feel like uh, you know as a result of deficits, mm-hmm. right? So tax rates can go up, and then also uh, the growth forever will yeah. be tax free as well. You know, people used to say, "Hey." Uh, put money into your 401 and take a write-off at today's tax rates, and then you'll probably be in a lower tax rate in retirement. Right. And I get that. But we're seeing this for so many people that it's not going to be the case. They will probably be in a similar tax rate as they are today. Right. Yeah, and then this the benefit of having that money, the growth, all the earnings on that tax-free forever is, is really attractive, you know. We've talked about that at length, but um, I think that it's uh, it's always worth refreshing people's memories on that. Yeah, so, you know, start with foundational stuff like security, emergency fund, mm-hmm. right? Let's think of it like the pyramid, right? Building that foundation. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we want to carry a good emergency fund, mm-hmm. right, for the the personal bank account and the, and the business mm-hmm. bank account. And the traditional thought is uh, three to six months, mm-hmm. right, cord- according to the CFP Board of Standards. Um, depending on the, uh, you know, the confidence that you have in your income, job so, security. Yeah. And, yeah. My wife doesn't work outside the home, mm-hmm. so if you have one one earner, that would mean that you might want to have a larger emergency fund. Right. Right. And if you if you're if the business is responsible for funding paychecks and stuff, then that makes that even more critical. Right. So yeah. what else? So what about, uh, you know, speaking of protection and security, insurance? How do you view insurance, life insurance, homeowners, yeah. property, all that stuff? Yep. So with life insurance, uh, I have term policies. Kind of bought one term policy after each kid was born. Mm-hmm. So they, they're staggered. Mm-hmm with different expiration dates, usually 20 years, because mm-hmm. after 20 years, the kid is out of the house. Yeah. But uh, a couple of years back, we did a, a universal policy, like a, a whole lifestyle policy, where it has the option of uh, having a cash value that can grow. Mm-hmm. And so we usually don't recommend this for everyone, but if you're in a position where you can make that contribution and and uh, have that life insurance cash value growing, then that's it operates kind of like a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So we talk talk about these types of programs for people that are already maxing out everything, mm-hmm. and there's nowhere else to go with contributions mm-hmm. that are tax advantaged. And if you have time, like to have it grow, meaning, then that could be a, a type of plan that can work for some people. Yeah, absolutely. As far as other types of insurance, we don't have any long-term care insurance. I'm, I'll be 43 this year. It would be a good price point, right, mm-hmm. to purchase long-term care at this age. But I feel like I'd, I want to do everything I can to self-insure. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, with my dad, I saw the pricing of, you know, like $420 a day in these rehab places. Right. And that's scary. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like even more than they talk about with the average long-term care cost. So I definitely took note of that, mm-hmm. but I, I'm gonna hold off on any insurance decisions. We have an umbrella policy. You know, we have traditional auto and home and everything, and then an umbrella policy over the top to, you know, to cover any issues. Mm-hmm. So after going through that experience, 
with your dad and seeing how much the long-term care cost is, do it, did it change your thinking at all as far as is it something that people should plan for, should take more time to try to plan for? I think people should be aware of it and they should run a what-if scenario mm -hmm. in their retirement plan and say, you know, we, we often will say, what if we spend more? What if we have an earlier retirement? What if inflation is, is different? Well, what if we have a disability or a long-term care health event and see how the portfolio can respond to excess withdrawals for a temporary period of time? Mm -hmm. and so if, if our portfolio is not, not that big, it can really cause a lot of problems. But, you know, if you've got a great big pile of money, then maybe you can absorb it. Yeah, you can weather the storm of a, a long-term care event. Yes. Okay. Um, keeping with protection and everything, what about estate planning? Well, we haven't made any changes with estate planning. Uh, we have, you know, our will, trust, power of attorney. And by the way, my dad went to an attorney. I, I said, you gotta go, you gotta go. This is years ago. They finally went and what do they do? <laughs> right? They, they get a trust, they get a will, they get power of attorney, but guess what? They didn't sign or execute the power of attorney, mm -hmm. which caused a lot of problems when you realize that yeah. seven years later. <laughs> and I called the lawyer and had some words, but mm -hmm. but we got, got things redone, right? So it all worked out. But you have to make sure that you execute these documents. Now, why would you? Why would the lawyer have the client sign the will and then they notarize the will, but then? In the same folder, right, right next to it, is the power of attorney, and no one signed it. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, that sounds like a pretty bad oversight. Yeah, and when you call the lawyer and you say, "Hey, do you have a copy of the power of attorney on file, like a, a scanned-in copy?" Well, no. Why would I have that? Ask your lawyer, right, what their backup plan is, because mm -hmm. people lose stuff, right? Yeah. So I was very disappointed. That, yeah, that is a really good reminder though, is I mean, you can have the greatest trust in the world drawn up for you, but if you don't execute it properly, it doesn't do anything, right? That's right. Um, I'll tell you another, I like to pick on my dad, <laughs> another funny one. So he had this, uh, like a, a separate bank account set up where he was putting money away for a, like vacation fund. And my parents are divorced, both remarried. He had that, bank account it was Jeff and Doris <laughs> Doris hasn't been married to him for like 32 years okay <laughs> yeah so if you are you know we got the money out of there okay but if he died with that money in that account that's my mom's money not my stepmom's money yeah how how crazy is that yeah I mean those are the kind of things that are important to consider yeah with the estate plan you got to Make sure every box is checked. And That's right. Bank accounts, properties. Right. So, you know, one, I guess one of the things that you'd say with the estate plan is that we have these rental properties and they're in an LLC. Mm -hmm. They have an operating agreement and the LLC is owned by the trust, mm -hmm. right? So there's like these full, like fail safe um, issues. If I die, my wife is the trustee of my trust, mm -hmm. right? And the, if she dies, there's a contingent, a successor trustee, mm -hmm. right? So like the people, down the chain. You know? mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what about savings wise? You talked about Mr. Roth already. I know you like, you know, we're, we're hammering the Roth, but yeah. the market's bumpy. What are your thoughts on, uh, are you doing anything different because of it? 
I added last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we blast out emails when the market goes into correction territory. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we said, hey, for aggressive people, this can be an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm practicing what I preach, right? And I, I put money in from the bank into the portfolio on the morning of that Ukraine invasion, mm-hmm. right? So I take advantage of that. So as far as other uh, investment situations, we're, we're ma- both maxing out the Roth 401. We, of course, max out the HSA, backdoor Roths. Last year, we did a pretty good Roth conversion, mm-hmm. which the timing wasn't great. Um, wish I had a redo on that one at this time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would like to do a Roth conversion again this year. And our 401 currently does not allow for a Roth conversion inside the 401, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have that plan document edited so we can then go ahead and do that. Uh, so it's not an IRA to Roth IRA, it's pre-tax 401 to Roth 401. Mm-hmm. Then you can you know, have the flexibility in that account as well. Sure. Um, then I'm putting in money into that universal whole life policy I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I add $2,000 a month to the to the trust investment account. Mm-hmm. We add money for the kids. Maybe that's another topic. Uh, so as far as like Ameritrade portfolio stuff, that's mm-hmm. what we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask about the kids because I know you have money going for them. Is that, how, how involved in, are they in that process? Have you found that to be a good learning experience for them? It has been a, a really good learning experience. And Jack really has responded well. Mm-hmm. Hunter, you know, you know, he shows a little bit of interest, mm-hmm. but Jack, I think Jack could, could be here. He could be working here yeah. soon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I'm really proud of them for taking interest with it. So what we did, and there's another podcast episode on this one. Mm-hmm. It's called like No Lazy Money, Teach Your Kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we, we transfer money from the bank into their Ameritrade account and they buy stock. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're involved in those decisions. Do they? Yeah, that's what I wondered. Like, because I've done that with my kids some too, right? And looking for stocks and finding companies they like. Have they gotten? Is that exciting to them? Have they gotten involved with with picking some of them? Yep. And and again, like on Thursday morning last week, I I texted them. I was on the road actually. I texted them both and I said, Hey guys, the market's down. Do you want to drain the bank account and mm-hmm. move it to Ameritrade? And they said, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we bought for them too. So I'm, you know, they're learning that you buy low and sell high, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of an idea. Right. So this is a, a, another question I guess I'll ask is about the kids is how do you, how, what are some other ways that you help teach them about money? Do you guys, do you make them do chores and get paid for it? Do you do an allowance? There's a school of thought for many different things, right? You just give them some money so they know what to do with it. Or there's this thought of make them work for it. We know Jack's an entrepreneur, got the, yeah. got the company going, but yeah. What are your thoughts on that as far as... Uh, well, we do we do like a $10 a week allowance kind of deal, but they have to do the chores like mm-hmm. trash and, you know, empty the dishwasher and other stuff that I'm not thinking of at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tell them, you know, hey, when you turn 16, you're probably going to want a car, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of 16-year-olds, for some reason, don't have any interest in driver's licenses and cars. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that my kids will. <laughs> but I told them, look, if you save 
and you find a car that you want. Like for me, I had $2,500 in like 1995, okay? Mm -hmm. And I used every last penny to buy an old used car. Mm-hmm. I drain that account, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, what I tell them is, if we buy, you know, an old used car for you, or if if you buy one, we'll match, mm-hmm. right? So in my example, he comes to the table with twelve fifty, we match the twelve fifty, right, to get him something yeah. maybe a little nicer and safer, more mm-hmm. reliable. But you know, they they learn that they have to have skin in the game too. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. And, so, we, and we also okay. tell them we add $500 a month to each 529. We also tell them that if you get a scholarship or something, right, like whatever money is left in that college account can go to you. Oh, can be like that's money a good idea for a that. first house or something. Yeah, I think a lot of people hesitate with 529s because they think, well, what if we don't use it for college, right? But that's a good motivator as well. It's, yeah. it's a good way to have the, help the kids still have some skin in the game, right? Even that's if, right. Even if there's money there for, for the school. And, and if they choose a more expensive school, that's their choice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I like that. It's a good idea. So why don't you talk to us about rentals? We know rentals is a big part of your financial plan as well. What are yeah. your thoughts with that? Have you made any any uh, new purchases or long-term? Yeah, we, we actually made three purchases last year. Okay. So there's a total of 29 doors, as Katie likes to say. How mm-hmm. many doors do you have, right? <laughs> 29 doors. So there were two duplexes in Plymouth and then one that we bought out on the lake, on the same lake that we're on. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a rental at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what will happen in long term, but the prices are high. And that's one of the, the biggest things we hear from people is I can't buy now or I can't move now. The house is, the housing market's too high. I got to wait for it to crash. Right? I don't I don't think it'll crash. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could could keep going up, uh, but I don't count on that either. I, I think you know things kind of level out for a while before they yeah. they take a breather. Kind people of tend to think they're either going up or they're crashing, but mm. they can move sideways too. Yeah. And they mm. move sideways for a long time in my experience with the property. Mm-hmm. So the prices were high, but the rent is high too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rent is through the roof. So it's justifying, you know, you can buy even in Plymouth here, a duplex and you can make 8% cash on cash. Mm-hmm. So that that's good enough. You used to be able to get 10%. So the flip side is there's, there's people out there too who are saying, property values are high, I'm cashing in, right? I want to get, I want to get out while the, while the getting's good. Has that, does that thought ever crossed your mind? I hear people that are doing that and I, I see like in Whitmore Lake, this one went for an unbelievable price and I, I have that thought mm-hmm. and then I realize, well, I'm going to have to pay a ton of tax if I sell it. And why did I buy it in the first place? Not for the appreciation, that's great. That's a bonus. But the per, the it's a pension replacement. Mm-hmm. I've told this story a thousand times. Mm-hmm. My portfolio is tied to the market. Our income, right, the fees that we charge are tied to the market. The value of this enterprise, if you <laughs> can say that without chuckling, right, that's tied <laughs> to the market. So I needed something to diversify away from stocks. And real estate traditionally has a low correlation to stocks. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just kind of drawn to it. 
just like it a lot. And the whole pension story, right? And now these tenants are paying off the properties. And, you know, now that there's so many, right, it's, it's like a, a really nice dividend that you could take now. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I roll, I kind of reinvest that dividend and roll it back into whatever debt that there's there. And then now you're ready to do another one. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the things, speaking of debt, because, you know, three properties, that was a lot. Okay. So I'm back in debt payoff mode. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I always try to pay down aggressively. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, that's, that's where all the money goes right now is to pay stuff off. Mm-hmm. So if there was nothing to pay off, I'd put it in my brokerage account. Right. You know, others, otherwise in real estate, we sold our house in Ann Arbor and we're moving to Plymouth, but you know, how's that going? <laughs> Plymouth, the properties, <laughs> the, first of all, just to buy a shack is, is an arm and a leg. Uh-huh. And then we tore it down and we're rebuilding. And so, you know, um, it's expensive to build, right? Like the inflation is real. The lumber is real, mm-hmm. and we ultimately downsized by half, mm-hmm. and the price will be more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we we got to deal with that, and we're still waiting. Right. Mm-hmm. And the so and the labor shortage is real as well, right? Does that uh, cause this process to go a little longer than anticipated? Yeah, it has. <laughs> labor and materials delayed. Yeah. And we thought, you know, we ordered the appliances. They said they were in, turns out they're not. And now that's another fire we yeah. gotta put out. Okay. But we're excited about living one mile from work and, mm-hmm. and living walking distance to downtown Plymouth. So will you, do you have uh, the mindset of real estate appreciation when you buy your primary residence? No, it's my house. Okay. Yeah. I guess you'd say long range planning. I don't know how long we'll live in Plymouth. I realized that nothing's permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, when we moved to Ann Arbor, I thought that was the dream house, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're just not interested in that anymore. So maybe in 10 years, you have something new that you want to do? New experience, yeah. New experience. We never had that living in town experience. We've always been out in subdivisions kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely uh, unique from what we've experienced. But you know, maybe you keep the place at the lake, maybe you take the money out of Plymouth and that goes to Florida when we retire, mm. you know? Yeah. There yeah. you go. Is that next year? <laughs> that you're retiring? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have all your listeners just uh, just got a little shock there. By the way, I want to re- <laughs> remind everyone that these are not recommendations. These are not suggestions. This is not a template for you to follow. Just one example to kind of show you transparency and how we, you know, are authentic where I'm happy to open the book and, you know, show you everything and, you know, to remind you that we practice what we preach, right? Mm -hmm. But from a compliance point of view, this is not a recommendation. So I just got to get that disclaimer out of the way. It's always good to make that that clear, yeah. Yep. So what else we got here? So yeah, we've talked about protection and making a solid base. We talked about investing, adding through the, the downturns, which accounts, what type, you know, how much uh, do you want to contribute to those? Talked about debt, real estate. What else are we missing? 
I think we covered it, man. Yeah. I feel like we uh, we hit on a lot of the bases. So what's there. next week's topic? The the pilot family plan? <laughs> sure. Maybe we can get Preston in here and do the Preston plan. There you go. He's got a different <laughs> perspective, right? He's not as far along as you are and I are with kids and lives and stuff, so he can give a, a, a testimony to what... Uh, oh, i got to also say, uh, I, if you're watching this on YouTube, you might be like, what's going on, right? But um, this is Jeff Packer, and Jeff had me on talking about real estate through his coffee convo, and that's why, <laughs> that's why we changed the setup here. He had <laughs> a pretty good setup, and I really enjoyed that visually mm -hmm. with the chairs, and he had like some plants, you know, maybe we can get some plants next time. <laughs> um, and his production quality was better just for having a better yeah. set, so to speak. So we thought, you know, we've never done, we've never done it in here, so give it a try. So comment if you like it, there you right? Go. Leave us some feedback. That sounds we, good. We may have turned comments off from compliance. <laughs> I don't know. So e Email us. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, if you are interested in learning more about how we think about money, for us and for our clients, give us a call for a second opinion. You can go to peakwm.com and schedule an appointment online. And you can learn more about us there, listen to other episodes. Um, but we, you know, we'd love to speak with you if you're interested. And look, if you're an existing client and some of these things resonate with you and you think, hey, you know, I'm not doing that, but now that you mention it, uh, I'm ready now to, to to talk about the strategy or that, you know, let's schedule an appointment and uh, update your plan. Yeah, I think that sounds great. We appreciate your uh, transparency and uh, thank you helping us through the, the financial plan. And maybe next week I'll play guitar for you. There you go. I'm going to hear how it's coming along. <laughs> yep. See ya. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.